first titled what we're going to talk about this morning, I wanted to title it, <clears throat> quote, It's not about us, no matter how self-centered we are. For we tend to take these verses and we apply them to what we want. We apply them to what we want them to do rather than what the context says they're for. There are several verses that, when in, taken in context, mean different than what most people use and quote them for. And we're only going to look at three. But the first one we're going to look at this morning is in Philippians. The I can do all things through Christ verse. Yet if we look at the context and the surrounding verses, we can see that it does not exactly work as some folks are using it for. The Apostle Paul at this point in time, if you will remember, is in jail while writing the book of the Philippians, he does not have the luxury of being to say, of being able to say, I can do all things in uh, Christ, like being rich, being successful, being blessed, having a new car, having a ha uh, happy family, having a fat bank account, being out of prison, being healthy. He can't use this verse like that. That's not what it's intended for. He cannot get out of prison. Why? Because that's not God's purpose for his life. God's purpose for Paul's life is to go before Nero. To witness through the courts to the higher ups. To spread the gospel. That's Paul's purpose. Yet here today when someone is in trouble or struggling, we use this as a crutch or a prop up for them when in actuality the verse means so much more than a, a physical crutch, a physical prop up. It says, 410, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Now this is key as we get into the next part. See, he's not speaking of want or is his needs. He's thanking them for sending him some money, even though they were always careful in making sure he had stuff. Sometimes the opportunity didn't present to get it to them. So he's thanking them for what they have done. And he's saying, I thank you for what you have done. I have learned, no matter what, to be content for I'm in God's will. Okay? He is in God's will. Whatever happened, it's okay with him. That's what Paul is saying. 4.12, I know how, both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So Paul, talking to the Philippians in this book, and he is thanking them for sending him money and care packages while he's in jail, but please note, he is in captivity. If you read the preceding verses, Paul is writing these words as talking of a life in which he learned to lean on Christ, to rest in him, to trust in him. He is not writing of the ability to actually be able to do all things himself. No, he is talking of doing all things in his current suffering, his current affliction, his current captivity through Christ and for his purpose. He can do all things. He can get through all things. He can bear 
the things that God has for him, his purpose, because he is in God's will, and it is furthering the kingdom of God. Paul has been rich, and now Paul has been poor. He has been at the top, and he has been at the very bottom of the food chain. He knows how to have it all, and he knows how to have nothing. He is in prison, and he is telling these folks, the church that he started in the Philippians in jail, if you'll notice with the jailer, that he can bear the purpose of God through Christ wherever it may take him. If he continues to suffer, if he is freed, if he is martyred, he can do it all through the inner strength and fortitude that Christ and the Holy Spirit give him. He is using the peace of Christ, the peace, P-E-A-C-E, -E, of Christ, not as a way to worldly riches or success, but as a way to fulfill God's plan. If this is God's will for me, I can bear it, I can go through it. Too many times we use this as a step up verse when it is meant specifically to say that by the grace of God, I can bear what my Father's will so long as I am in His will. This is a verse Paul was using to set the conscience of the Philippians at rest, not as a battle cry. The next, we're going to look at a very popular verse in Romans. We're going to go to Romans 8. We're going to start with 8.24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet have what why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Alright, so what do we hope for that we do not see? Heaven, eternal life. As we cannot see it, we hope for it. Not as in, we hope it might be there, but as in, we have the hope. That means we are looking forward to heaven, knowing it's going to be better for us than here. This is not our home, we're just passing through. Just as we are saved by hope, or by faith, hope, looking forward, then too we have the hope from Christ, the hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now here's the verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. That's interesting. All things work together for good to them that love God. Sometimes we're just so flippant with this verse. But if you read the surrounding verses, we see how the scripture was intended. Paul is addressing the Romans, telling them about prayer and our intercessors with God. We pray, and then we have the Spirit and Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father who are interceding with the very same thing we just asked for, but better. They're saying it better. They're pleading it better than we could say it. We are saved by hope. Very positive, yes. If we have hope in something that we have prayed for, then we must wait with patience for it. For if we have asked according to God's will, for if we have asked 
according to God's will, then we have Christ and the Spirit interceding for us. Then we have hope he will hear and answer. But there is more. Because of that prayer we have made, that hope we have to wait on him, how can we have that hope that he will hear and answer? Because he knows the Spirit. God's Spirit. The very Spirit that intercedes with the Father. So Jesus at the right hand of the Father, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, are interceding with the Father. The Father hears our pleas. The Father hears their pleas. And we can have hope that he will hear and answer. For we know all these things happening together will be for good. For the furtherance of his purpose. For the furtherance of his kingdom. Not for our personal good, but for good to them that love the Lord. Narrows it down. To them who are called according to his purpose. It's very specific here. All things work together for good in our prayers, in our pleas, in our requests to them who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Not our good specifically. I can't state that enough. It doesn't say that all things work together for your benefit. It does not say that all things work together to make you healthy, wealthy, and whole. It says all things work together for good to them, to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. When we plead, when we beg, when we pray, then Christ and the Spirit join in in the prayer, and we know those pleadings, those prayers being heard by the Father, will then hear all three prayers, all three pleadings work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. If we love God and we are praying in His will, for His will, then we are going to see good happen. Not for our benefit, but good happen to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. We are going to see good for him, good for God. We are going to see good for his majesty, good for his glory, good for his kingdom, good for his purpose. This is not about us, folks. It is about him and it is about them. If we love God and we are praying according to his will and according to his purpose for us, then we are going to see good. Doesn't mean we're going to only experience good because we pray for it. That's not what it means. We are too self-centered. This is about God and the furtherance of his kingdom. So next we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 10, 12, another verse. That's uh, misused. First Corinthians ten twelve is where we're going to start. Where we're going to start. Now this one is really important because the way we use it is not at all what it means. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Let him that thinks he stands firm. So the person who thinks I am holy, I'm righteous, I'm going to stand tall. I will not fall. Let him that thinks that stand firm, 
or I'm sorry, let him that thinks that he stands firm and cannot fall, let that person run hard and fast to the foot of the cross, because there, the person that thinks he can't fall is the person that's going to fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. This does not mean he won't give us more burden than we can bear. This does not mean he will give us more than we think we can carry. This means he will not tempt us beyond which we are able without giving us a way out of it. We have a high priest. And that high priest is Jesus. And he knows what we are going through. He does. He knows what we are facing in our lives. He has been tempted by the very devil himself. Jesus was tempted in the desert by the devil in a weakened state most of us will never ever know. And he was victorious over that temptation. He knows from what he went through that we can bear temptation. Or sorry, he knows what we can bear in temptation. He knows what we can and what we cannot handle. He knows this. He was walked the earth like us. He was here where we are. He knows how to beat the temptations because he himself beat them. This verse tells us that every temptation that comes along, he understands. Because he can understand it, he can lead us out of it. For there is no temptation known to man that he doesn't know, that he doesn't understand. When temptation comes along, there is a way out of it. He gives us a way to be able to bear the temptation and walk away. A way to be able to fight it. A way to stand up to the pressures of the devil and walk away, not falling into temptation. He offers that way. We will not be tempted above that which we can bear. We can be given more than we can bear. We can be given a lot of misery and a lot of trouble on this earth. I mean, admit it, this is a, a wicked world. It's ruled by sin and strife. We will have sickness. We will have cancer. We will lose loved ones. This verse doesn't mean it's going to be a, a, a rose garden. It means we will not be tempted above that which we can bear. This verse is not a quick fix saying, oh, I can bear it, or, or God won't give me more than I can handle. That's not what it says. It is not a battle cry. It is an enhancer. You're going to be tempted, but you know with every temptation, he's going to offer a way out. You must just look around and see the way out. He loves us. He knows what we are going through in temptation. He knows how to get us out of it if we but look for the escape clause. The very next verse after he won't give us more temptation than we can bear is flee from idolatry. So we know 
what he's talking about. Yet we take that little piece completely out of context. How can we mean that this verse means our life situation, we won't be given more than we can bear. Our troubles, we won't be given more than we can bear. Our trials, we won't be given more than we can bear. It's the temptations. That's what we can't bear. That's what we're going to be able to have a way out of. We, in this modern world, we get so wrapped up in us, in our wants, in our desires. We have forgotten, we have forgotten that we are here for Him. We are here for His will. We are here for His word. We are here to present to the lost and dying world a way out of the sin, a way out of the darkness, a way out of the emptiness and the hell that will be therein. We are not here to be happy, healthy, and whole. We're not. We are here to preach the kingdom. We are here to witness of the love of Christ, the one that's going to keep them from going to hell. None of this is about our worldly situation. We are here for but a moment. We are there for eternity. It's not what we do here that matters. It's what we do for there that matters. God has given us so much. Life, both physical and spiritual. A Savior, the written word, his spirit, and he actively calls for us. We don't look for God. He comes looking and seeking for us, knocking on the door. But we have used these verses to make it seem like it's all about us on our life on this earth, and it's not. Our life on this earth is nothing more than a candle in the wind. It's going to be blown out, and then we're going to be up there forever. Only the things that we do for up there, what matters? He came, he suffered, and he died. But it didn't end there. He rose again. That we might have life. Because had he came, suffered, died, and still in that tomb, we would have no hope. We have hope. We have life, and we have it more abundantly. So what do we do with that life? Well, most of us, we sit on it. We hold it as our ace in a hole. We, 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 I believe in, oh, I'm getting out of hell free card. It's not what it's about. If you truly believe, you're witnessing and you're telling others of the joy you have found. If you truly believe and have a relationship with Christ, you're witnessing and telling others about that relationship, about that Christ, about the one who suffered and died for you. The Bible is his gift to us. To help us know and understand Him. That's what the Bible is. It's His love story to us. It is not about us. It is about us knowing Him. And then us taking what we know of Him, <clears throat> of him and His love. And going out and telling them about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. We really need to stop thinking that God is worried about our new car. Or our big house. And I, I have a big house. I do. I have a beautiful house. But we are here to spread the good news of a Savior that loves and died for them. And that is our purpose. We are here for His purpose and to tell them of the God who died for them. The God who loved them so much that He gave His only begotten Son that they might have eternal life. That is why we are here. That is what we are here for. We are not here to be rich. We are not here to have a fat bank account. Paul was in prison, but he was still witnessing all the way up to Nero. 
That's what we are here for. We are here to serve him. We are here to tell them that is our purpose. So these verses that we misquote, we need to look at them in context, and we need to use them in the proper way. He will not give us more than we can bear in temptation. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. I can do all things through Christ, meaning I can suffer and die through the peace of Christ. I can live on this earth in poverty through Christ. I can be rich through Christ, but it's his will. And because if I'm in his will, then I can do all things through Christ happily knowing he is in control. Not, I can go out and build a massive building because I can't. i got a dead eye. It's not possible. So I cannot do that. I can't go out on a football field and play football. Can't see. Uh, you throw it to me from this angle and I'm not going to see it until it's right there. And then it's pretty much boom. You can't do all things through Christ. We can do all things that we have to do to further his will. We can go through life with him because we know him. It's all about him, not about us, not about our riches, not about our happiness, not about our health. It's about him, and it is about them. And it is time the modern Christian got back to remembering we have a love story from our loving God to take to a lost and dying world who needs to hear.